Coming up, Amy exposes herself to the elements, I talk about bras, and Amy exposes herself. This is Running Is Bullshit. Hello and welcome to episode four of Running Is Bullshit. Thank you very much for coming back. It's a huge surprise to both of us. Uh, My name is Stuart Harding. And I'm Amy Genders. And we're here to talk about running and how shit it is. The podcast that love to hate running and hate to love running. Yes, so we'll have a bit of a chat about what we've been up to in the past two weeks. I always say week, because for some reason in my head we're doing this every week, but no, it's been two weeks. Well, saying like the last fortnight is weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just say week. That's week. We know what you mean, it's fine. (laughs) I know what I mean. So the big thing over the last week or so has been the Seven Bridge race, which we both did, the night race across the Seven Bridge. Yeah, why did we do that? That's what I was thinking when I was there in the pouring rain with, were they 60 mile per hour winds, something like uh, that? I think it was 50 because any more and it would have been pretty much cancelled. Yes. Was, was that the worst weather you run in? Yes, yeah. And I've run in like really bad weather on Cardiff Bay Barrage because yeah. that's very open to the yeah, elements. Yeah. So I've run in like um, really bad weather down there where the, the wind's blowing in your face and the rain's blowing in your face. But the Seven Bridge was something else. There was moments where I thought I was going to get taken off my feet. It was that windy. I did have a few little moments of running back along, just thinking, if I did get blown over, how would that go? And I was just thinking in my head, could I swim that far? I wonder if the current's in or out. I was doing all that kind of stuff. I think I have run in stronger wind and I've run in heavier rain, but the two together Mm. were pretty bad. And it was just so exposed. Like, yeah. so exposed so um, there was a moment where I had to like crouch down a bit because <laughs> I could feel the wind actually pushing me over like there was there was moments on the bridge where there was like little um, wind tunnels almost yeah. and you suddenly got like a massive blast of it I mean on the way back it was fantastic it's like the first two miles the wind and rain was insane and I was my splits were insane so like on the way out it was like 11 minute miles I was looking at my watch and I felt like I'd been running three miles and I'd run a half a mile I just I couldn't see anything. I, I was looking straight down, and then on the way back, I was doing eight minute miles, like which is fast for me. Like yeah. zooming back because the wind was on my back. It's slightly downhill, yep. so obviously it's a bridge. Yeah, I found there was a couple of points where you got really strong gusts. I kind of just slowed down, and then very occasionally you just get a little gap in the wind, wouldn't you? So I was like, take two or three quick strides just to try and make up, you know, a second, just because that makes a difference. But yeah, the the wind and the rain on my face was so painful. Yeah, and it, in your eyes as well. Yeah. So there's moments where I had to close my eyes, which I've had on the barrage before, to be yeah. fair. But and you were just running blind, thinking this. And speaking of running blind, there was moments where it was pitch black. Yeah. And I don't, I can't remember. Now, I didn't read the race instructions really before I went because I was getting a lift there. So I was just like, oh, what time are you picking me up? <laughs> I'll get there. I'll deal with it. So... I'm not sure in the race instructions where they said to bring a head torch. No, they didn't because it's mostly lit. It was yeah, just that little bit at the end but that, that wasn't. Bit, um, about it's halfway before you go back um, and you come off the bridge and you go over that other bridge where the yeah. toll stations are yeah. and you come back through that. It was pitch black. Luckily, a woman in front of me perhaps had done it before and she had a really powerful head torch. But if that woman hadn't been there, I wouldn't have been able to see anything. Yeah, a guy ahead of me had a head torch until he hit a low branch and then lost his head torch. <laughs> So that was very funny. Amazing. Yeah. That was highly amusing to me. I think I saw somebody's hat on a, on a branch. So I think somebody's lost a hat. Yeah, not surprised. <laughs> I bet a lot of hats were lost into the, the seven that night. Yeah, yeah. I, I had my hat on backwards, so it was it was okay. But I could feel it was getting a bit dicey out there. Yeah. But technically for me, that was a five mile PB. That's insane. It, I've only run three five mile races in five years. But so. for that to be a PB, that's... Well, the, my last PB was also at night... 
and it was off-road and it was in the woods and in mud. Mm. So if I run a five mile in the daytime at some mm. point, pff, big PB. But weren't your splits pretty much... They weren't, they weren't like insane differences between your splits Not either. hugely different. Not like no. between 11 minutes and 8 minutes. <laughs> no, not hugely different. Probably because I just went out too hard and I was knackered on the way yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. But the, on the way back, it sort of carried you. The wind and also yeah. like you could feel it was down a nice yeah. like downhill bit. I, it felt quite easier on the way back. Yeah. But of course there was all the drama before the race. Oh, drama. Well. I love a bit of race drama. <laughs> Facebook drama. Yeah. Um, as we said, there were like 50, potentially 60 mile an hour gusts at least. And obviously, this is on a bridge that gets closed fairly regularly for high winds because it is dangerous. I actually looked it up in the space of like three years, like 16 trucks tipped over in the 90s, which is why they had to introduce these rules. And so people were worried, looking at the forecast, potentially high winds, what if the bridge gets closed? Are they going to have to cancel the race? The organisers looked at all this, obviously. They went out there midday, looked at the forecast, and they said, at the moment, it's on. However... If there are high winds, it may have to be cancelled, of course. Or there is also a contingency to run a shorter version, which would be a couple of miles. But as it stands, those are unlikely. And that's what caused a lot of confusion Oh, as well. chaos reigned oh, after chaos. That. Because the way... The way it was phrased, I can't remember the exact sentence, but there was confusion over, um, what was it, 2.25 miles, they were saying. Yeah. An out and back of 2.25 miles. So people were wondering, is it an out and back as in, like... In total, that would be four and a half miles, yeah. 2.25 out and on the way back. Or is it t- in total, out and back, in total would be 2.25 miles? Yeah. So there was all that confusion because some people were saying, well, I'm not coming to run two miles. And- yeah, I'm not coming to run two miles, four miles. Oh, yeah. No problem, four <laughs> miles, but two miles? Outrageous. So there was all that confusion. But it was funny because um, the, the, the race directors, the company, were um, they posted this message saying, oh, this is the situation. And then they were like, and we're going offline now at 1pm, so we can't answer any questions. And then people just went crazy because no one could get in contact with the race organisers. But the the problem is then, people started ringing the highways agency (laughs) and started ringing the bridge, which didn't help because apparently someone called the highways agency in England and they said, oh, it's not safe to walk across. But then the race director on the night said, well, the person on the phone at the highways agency isn't qualified to cancel a race mm. and it wasn't their decision because mm. it was safe to walk across the bridge frankly mm. uh, when we got there they made the call that it was safe and it was fine yeah and you know the race actually they i thought they'd just perhaps ignore it but they did say they did acknowledge and said you know the only people that are unhappy were reacting to posts from their friends not posts from us mm. our posts were quite clear we said it's probably going to go ahead mm. and so everyone else panicked said well i'm not traveling all that way in case it's cancelled but it's a night race in November in Wales on a bridge. Of course it's going to be dodgy. Yeah, and you that's one of the things about running. You know, if you're running outside, then the chances of the weather changing, even in the summer of it being like really, really hot, it's always a risk you have to take. When you book a race, you might not do that race. You yeah. might not do it because you're injured. You might not do it because the weather is really terrible, one way or the other, too hot, too rainy, whatever. It's just one of those things about running. You don't run every race that you book. No. How how, did you, how was your time? Um, I mean, I wasn't really going for a time because I'm still slightly injured, so I was just going to run it. And, and with the weather conditions, I was just I just wanted to finish. Yeah. Um, it was okay though because I I got in just below fifty minutes, but um, it wasn't a there was no like uh, chip timing as in yeah. everything was by the gun. It was time. gun time, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I stopped my Garmin 
just after I got over the line, like a few seconds after, and I just sneaked over like 50 minutes. Mm-hmm. So it would be sub 50, it would be 49 something. Yeah. So, so it's not too bad That's considering fine. the conditions. Yeah. I could have run it, if, if the conditions weren't like that, I probably could have run it faster, but it was never going to be like a real PB because my injuries. So. Yeah. Um, well, I was also slightly injured, but I did go for it because I'm an idiot. <laughs> and it was, I did like 39 minutes, which was okay, but it was slower than a friend did it last year. So to me, that's a defeat. Yeah, fair but enough. because of the conditions, I'm claiming moral victory. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, Stuart, what have you been up to? Well, do you want an ass update? Not really, but I feel like you're going to give it to me anyway. So, go so ahead. Amy, my ass. <laughs> it's getting better. It's still a bit of a tight hamstring. Getting better, but as these things happen, because I'm an idiot and I haven't really done too much about it, uh, it's, it's hurt other bits of me. So now I've got a bit of a sore metatarsal on my right foot on the other side because I think I've been using it more mm. because that other, the left leg has been weak so especially running up hills I've really been pushing down on that right foot mm. which has now made uh, a nice sore metatarsal now I've bought a metatarsal pad to help with this just kind of to pad out the end of my foot just lessen that impact but when I'm telling people this I've got a couple of people have said metatarsal pad is a creepy or weird term and I, I know I'm not sure if they're inventing some kind of menstrual connotations here <laughs> But I'm like, metatarsal pad, it's a normal phrase. What's wrong with it? It does sound a bit weird. Is it something that goes in your shoe? Is that... It's just like a little... It actually loops around my toe, and it's just right. a little gel pad. Okay. I think it's the word pad that people, yeah. for some yeah. reason, seem to have a problem with. And mes- metatarsal before it, yeah, is too close to menstrual pad. It's... <laughs> so you... Oh, that's just a girl <laughs> Only thing. because you've said it. Yeah. Like, if you hadn't said that, I would have thought, oh, okay, No, that's metatarsal. all you can think of. Yeah, yeah, you've made that connection in my mind. It's like, oh, okay, metatarsal pad. I've got my pad on now, don't worry. It's helping <laughs> That's a lot. fine, we're, we're fine. <laughs> I also tackled the first kind of little stretch of my Wales Coast Path journey that I've been doing. So I did, went to the very beginning of it, or the end of it, depends which way you look at it from. I'm in South Wales, so as far as I'm concerned, it's the start. Chepstow to Seven Tunnel Junction Station. Uh, it's a 10-mile run on my day off, and it was a very, very nice way to spend a day, frankly. Apart from the first few miles, a lot of industrial estates. It was pretty dull and depressing for a lot of it. And a lot of cow shit. Yeah, I once, saw that on Twitter. Once I got into the fields, fuck me. Um, I went the correct way because I was also reading, I had a map and I had a description, which is really, really useful, of the route. Uh, I went the correct way around the field and I kind of got to where I thought I needed to go. And all the cows there were in that corner of the field. And I could see some calves there. So I thought, well, I'm not going to mess with them. I'll go back to the beginning because there was a path straight across the field as well. I'll take that side so to go all the way around, straight across the field, uh, which the cows did not like. They were staring at me the whole time. <sighs> and so I was just walking because a couple of them, you know, as they do, they kind of panicked and ran away. And then all the others look at you as well. So I'm like walking, I'm like, it's chill, don't worry, girls, it's fine. <laughs> and then I got up into the corner of the field where I assumed the path would be, and I was just in the farmyard. And I'm like, I got to the corner, I'm like, right, well, that only goes into the cow shed. And there's a cow looking at me very confused. And now I'm in four inches of liquid cow shit as well. So I looked again at the description and the map. And I think I found where the stile was along the fence. Probably like 50 feet from where I originally gone. So I had to go along the kind of the uh, the fence. Between like there was a, a few trees. So I was going like between the trees and the fence. Slowly as possible. It's okay, it's fine. Don't worry. Stop staring at me. It's a bit creepy. But then I could see the style coming up, but there was just a calf standing right next to it. And I thought, I can try and gently shoo it away, 
But Mama is not going to like that. No. So I had to jump over a barbed wire fence. Oh my God. Have you seen that video on Facebook where that guy's like telling you how to deal with cows if cows come up to you? That and might have been useful. And it was it was terrifying to watch. I don't yeah. think I could put those things into practice. So he was saying um, that cows aren't dangerous. I know that cows tend to trample yeah. several yeah. people each year, don't they? Yeah. Uh, deaths related That's to pretty cows. dangerous. Yeah. But he was saying, um, you know, he was in this field full of cows, like, demonstrating. I'm not sure whether he was actually a farmer or something, or whether yeah. he was just some random bloke who walks in the countryside a lot, and that's where his expertise came from. But he was saying, you know, I'm just walking through this field uh, with some cows, and he's like, watch what happens if I start running. And <laughs> suddenly they all come over to him, like, running. I'm like, shit, 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 mate, stop running, stop running. He's like, but then they just want to have a look. They're just curious. They just want to play, you see? And he said, if I do this, and he starts running at them, and they started backing off, yeah. I'm like, mate, are we going to witness a cow death, but death is, by trampling? But did they have calves in there as well? Um, Cause that's, There were some, like, young, not yeah. calves, there were some young-looking ones. Because that's when they get defensive and a bit and nervy, I think. I different think. sort of cows um, have different levels of aggression as yeah. well. I think whether they're dairy or, or whatever... But yeah, he was saying, um, don't worry about cows. They just want to play and they're just curious. I'm like, mate, if I see a field full of cows, I'm turning away. You know. After I had to jump this barbed wire fence, I had another field to go through, which is a bit easier. Again, inches of shit everywhere. So my, my feet are now covered in, you know, you, it looks like mud, but you know, it's all pretty fresh shit. And there was just another cow standing right in front of the fence that I needed, or the gate that I needed mm-hmm. to go through, with a load of other cows, like 30 feet away, looking at me. So I had to just go through the middle of them while they're staring at me. And they're creepy fuckers. When they stare yeah, at you. Yeah. So I just got through there. I'm like, oh, thank fuck for that. Yeah. After that, it was fairly uneventful. Well, his advice was like, just walk through. Um, if you run through, they might chase you, but just walk and you'll be fine. I'm like, nah. Yeah, I can kind of see that is true, but it doesn't make it less threatening. No. No, I, if I have to walk through a field of cows, I am shitting myself the entire time. And if yeah. there's an alternative, I will not. Like, I've got, on, like, trail runs, like, a mile out of where I want to turn around. And I've seen a field of cows, yeah. well, right, two miles shorter, I don't care, yeah. I'm running back. Like, yeah. no. Well, don't worry, the, the cows are shitting themselves as well. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> it's all ending up on your shoes. <laughs> yeah, it really is. That was, that was lovely. But it was a lovely run, and I should be doing... 20 miles in a couple of weeks. So is it, um, so do you have to take a map with you? Is it not very clearly signposted the coastal path? Some bits are, some bits aren't. Right. You kind of, like through town, there were some like little like discs in the floor mm. showing it and sometimes there's signposts. But a lot of the time it's, when it's not just on a path next to the mm. river or the sea, it just kind of, you have to follow the sign and just trust you're going the right direction mm. until you find another one of these little discs at one point. Yeah. It's pretty well marked. Mm. But, there were, you know, having a description, I got to a golf course and got a bit lost. Mm. But having this kind of proper written description from a different website was right. really useful. Mm. Okay, so from the last episode, we talked about various things. Of course, there's always the, the chafing update. Um, now Jess was telling us she did 120 miles on a bike in the rain and got some chafing which was left unspecified but uh, Liz on Twitter was in touch to tell us that she experienced a minjury that's a good word it's a good word and it's a terrible word I think we should just move on I think we should just that's entered our lexicon now and feel free to use it but I don't want to talk about it anymore okay the Twitter poll. Have you ever had to take a shit mid-run? Uh, what were the results, Amy? So, uh, it was 30% yes. Now, I thought it'd be higher than that. Did you? Yeah, yeah. I thought this was like... There seems to be this idea that at some point you will shit yourself. Like, it, it's going to happen. At some point well, you will shit yourself Well, not necessarily shit yourself. You might have to have a shit. That's, those are two different things. <laughs> well, yeah, I suppose so. But it seems... I thought it'd be higher. I thought 
30 I think it'd be higher than 30%. I think people aren't admitting it. Uh, we had a few messages as well. Uh, Carl said at Swansea Half a few years ago, and that's a busy race as well. Yeah. Less than 24 hours after coming home from Morocco, I had to run rapidly to a bush after three miles. Bye bye, buff. <laughs> oh, oh, God. I can't, uh, Swansea Half as well. Yeah, there's not many places where you can like nip off. You can't hide there, really. No. Uh, Howard said, it's only happened once during a half marathon, but it was so scenic, it was awesome. Hashtag poo the view. Oh, that's nice. And David, yes, but not on a race, just out of the blue on a long training run. I thought he was going to say like, at work. (laughs) Not really. (laughs) Just a whole different thing. Yeah. That's a different story. He said, there's nothing to explain. We're all animals with ideas above our station at the end of the day. Humans, that is. That's very profound. That's a profound take on it. <laughs> All right, thanks. thanks, Dave. It's not really the level we're operating at. No, no. We're more like, hey, have you ever had a shit in the middle of a heart? Let's use your shisok. <laughs> so keep the chafing stories coming in and keep the poo stories coming in. That's always something we, we want to hear about. Next up, time four. Running news. Yeah. You just said running news. Yeah. Well, do, you want, do you want more lyrics? Well, well, the title is Bullshit Running News. Oh, sorry. Bullshit. Bullshit Running News. Little remix there, thanks. Yeah. Rewind. This is a great one. This kind of ties in with the, uh, some of the things we've talked about before in terms of gender stuff. Uh, Rowan University in New Jersey. They decided the female cross-country team running in sports bras was distracting to the male football team. And so they took the obvious step and banned the girls from running in just their sports bras. Obviously, there was a lot of justified outrage and the ban has now been lifted. Yeah, well... Well... (laughs) (laughs) Where do you start? Firstly, I can assume, I don't know, but I can assume that the male cross-country team will be running shirtless. Well, from Rowan's point of view, they claim there was a verbal policy that all teams must wear shirts during practice. Right. A verbal policy means fuck all, because that's not a thing. No. That's just a thing that you've said, but isn't a policy. Um, also, the female cross-country team is one of the only teams that don't have kits supplied for them. This is a university that's just dropped five million quid on facilities, mm. so they're not short of a few quid. And they, you know, they have now realised this is no longer appropriate, and they have said, in certain conditions, it is okay to just run in sports bras. I think it was just a very old-fashioned thing. Perhaps they didn't understand that running in sports bras was a thing. Well, I suppose if they want to be old-fashioned, then they should make sure that both the male and the female team are running in shirts. If that's the approach they want to make, and make sure that they're not running, you know, uh, that they are both wearing something on their tops, and that whatever. If they want to do Mm. that, as long as it's equal on both sides, whatever. But more broadly, I think, who cares? Like, if you're a bloke, take your top off. If you're a woman, just running a sports bra. It doesn't... People are such prudes about these things. It's not... People need to have a look at themselves yeah. and think about where they're coming from with this. It's them that are being weird about it. Well, the problem this and the people being looked at, it was the uh, the male football team who said it was distracting to them. Oh my days. They need to grow up. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I don't want to defend, but, <laughs> um, you know, 19, 20 year old lads, you know, prime of their life, blah, blah, blah. Um, young women running around in sports bras. I can understand. Could be a little bit distracting. However... When you're at an American university playing college football, which is a huge business, they're playing, you know, probably a hundred grand scholarship for you. You're paying in stadiums of 50, 60,000 people. Fucking concentrate on your training. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, you know, this is potentially your career in professional yeah. football, or if not, you're getting some other degree and the football is paying for it. I would fucking concentrate if I were them. Yeah, yeah. I'd just get on with it. Yeah. Like maybe it's momentarily just terribly distracting the first time, but just get on with it. What, yeah. what are people's... Oh. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, um, there was also a claim they were banned from using the track itself because they'd actually been using a local high school track. But, again, there was kind of a potentially miscommunication here as the football team trained at a particular time and they only have one team training at a time on their facility so they couldn't use the track while the field was in use so they were scheduled to go after that but the coach decided he didn't want to use that later time he wanted the same time which meant they chose to use the local high school track instead so there's potentially there who's getting priority over which and i think yeah like i said people took that as a ban on using the track which it kind of wasn't i think i just want to know how the men's running you know the track and field team are being treated mm, and whether yeah. it's the same if it's the same on all these things then it's just the university in general being knobs but if it's just particularly focusing on the female running team then then that's sexism <laughs> plain and simple okay the response from rowan university on their facebook page um, kind of does roll back a lot of what they said. You know, they admit they had a verbal policy on this, which they've then realised is not you know up to standard, and it perhaps wasn't properly explained to staff. So some staff knew about it, some staff didn't. The final paragraph there, I think, is probably the most interesting. The university recognises that while the verbal policy attempted to set standards, it could be misunderstood and does not accommodate today's training practices across sports. We recognise this may stir debate within the university community and beyond. By clarifying our support of women's athletics and its student-athletes, Rowan strongly affirms its commitment to ensuring women are able to train and perform at the highest levels. And they've said in the new formal policy, there will be no restriction of sports bras without shirts as practice apparel. So something as good has come from it, at least. It's now clear for everyone what the rules are, and the rules are modernised. Yeah, and it needs to be, if they're, they're the guidelines they want to set, then they need, it needs to be formal guidelines, not a verbal agreement and a verbal policy or whatever. Yeah, uh, in further... Uh, women and men news uh, a woman beats all the men by more than a minute at the Boyce Marathon which is quite interesting yeah I think that's fantastic yeah it is uh, Rachel Ahrens a 38 year old insurance agent from Meridian Idaho broke the tape of the Boys Marathon on October 28th finishing in 3.13.54 she bested the second place finisher by over a minute and um, thanks to Bernie on Facebook who said we should have called it the Goyles Marathon hey Hey, 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 hey. I was thinking we should just steal that and just take it as our own. <laughs> yeah, I know. I thought we'd credit. No, we credit where credit is due. That's a that's fantastic a, pun. That's a good gag. This is also a tweet that's got a few people wound up last week. Unfortunately, I found it just after last week's show, but we retweeted it and I had a, a bit of fun with this on Twitter. She said, yes, a woman gets engaged at mile 16 of the New York Marathon, which sounds lovely. The problem with it that we found was um, she was running the marathon and her boyfriend stopped her at mile 16, proposed to her, and then let her run off with the ring on. Yeah, it's really bizarre. Because firstly, um, if you want to propose at a race, fair enough. But that's usually done at the end. Yeah. Like either when... It's usually the person running the race that does it. It's not usually like... It can be the other way yeah, around. Yeah, yeah. But I think I see more commonly it's the person running the race. Yeah. And then at the end, they uh, propose to their partner. Or if they run it together. Yeah, 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 exactly. So it's just to stop someone halfway through, I don't know, it seems well, it seems quite selfish. Yeah, that, that's been a lot of the criticism. It's like taking the limelight away from her running a marathon, taking away that achievement and overshadowing it. And also giving her the ring to run with. 
Mm. I don't want to be worrying about a ring because that potentially might not fit. If that's too tight and she can't get it off, because obviously you, you, you're going to swell up when you run mm. or if she gets dehydrated or whatever. So it's going to be potentially too big, too small. Either yeah. way, causes problems. Yeah. And she's that's thrown off her whole thing now. And if she was going for a PB as well, if somebody stopped you and you're like doing a Boston qualifier or yeah. something. <laughs> oh, that'd be bad if she missed is the it, Boston. Was it a Boston qualifier race? What race New York it? Marathon. So oh, I was it? So. Oh, well, yeah. I assume so, yeah. I imagine she, if she missed the qualifying standard by 30 seconds. <laughs> I don't know what level she was, though. Like whether, no. uh, Either way, no matter what level you are, yeah. if you're going for a PB and someone stops you halfway around to propose, I just think that's incredibly selfish. Or if you're just running a marathon, that's a yeah. big thing. Yeah, yeah, and to have to stop and no. Like you said, I think he's just overshadowing. And I think that's what a lot of the criticism was about, yeah. about like overshadowing her moment, her running her marathon i don't know maybe it was her first marathon i don't know but it does it's still overshadowing that achievement regardless so i think the better way to do it as we've seen with our friend roman recently congratulations roman who um he actually himself ran the snowden marathon stopped a couple hundred yards from the finish to propose to his girlfriend who was at the side and that's that's a lovely yeah. way to do it. Cause... Yeah, because you're in, you're you're stopping your race. Yeah. Like it's not like someone else is coming out and stopping you. No. And imagine yeah. running a marathon, being nervous about it anyway, especially the Snowdonia Marathon, which mm. is pretty hardcore. And all the way at the end, thinking at the end, oh god, have I still got it? Have I still got it? Have I still got it? Yeah. Yep. And then what oh, she says, no. That could be a good way. Did he get a PB? I wonder. I don't know. Uh, because the adrenaline might oh. fuel you round. <laughs> yeah. Fuel fear. <laughs> so congratulations. And if you're going to propose on a race, we suggest you do it on your own marathon, not someone else's. <laughs> yeah, that would be the, the advice, I think, that, that most sane people would take. That's the running is bullshit top tip for <laughs> this week. And the next one. <laughs> a Japanese runner broke her leg during a relay race and crawl to her partner so she'd be able to continue the race. Now, I haven't seen this yet. Do you want to watch it right now? Yeah. Fantastic for podcast. We can hear it, and you can <laughs> you can describe what you're seeing. Okay. So a woman crawling. She's crawling quite fast, though. Oh, yeah. She's probably crawling faster than I run a lot of races. <laughs> There's a couple of people following her as well. Yeah. I suppose they can't help her, because if it's like a lot of rules... Yeah. In the UK and America, then if you help her, then it's not a... Yeah. Now, I know um, relay racing like this in Japan is huge. Yes. There's a lot of Japanese runners yeah. don't actually go outside Japan to run because they've got these huge yeah, races. there's a really good book on it called The Way of the Runner. Ah. It's fantastic, yeah, about these re- the relay races. So she's nearly at the line now. I'm assuming that's what she's carrying. It's like a sash, isn't it, that they yeah. pass on to each other. Oh, God. Oh. Is, is there a teammate there who's like watching her is you can see she's in pain herself watching this poor woman oh, and here we go we're about to see the handover uh, i don't want to see a leg if it's I don't want yeah to you see do it. oh no right so the 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 runner's got it she's off she's running quick oh and she's up and she's down again and and there a leg is pointing the wrong direction no no that's no. it's through the skin oh that's horrific and she was crawling with yeah. her. Yeah, well, you can see she's got two cut knees, obviously. Oh God. Was it like a stress fracture that it just... Was it running that caused that rather than a traumatic injury? It, it must have been. Yeah, so she's she's got two cut knees now, obviously. And she can the see... cut knees? <laughs> well, all right. Just her bone sh- is almost sticking out her leg. Well, I think she's it, got a bit of a graze on her knee. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, I was going to follow up with. You know, the bone's pretty much sticking out of her leg and her shin's point, pointing the wrong way. Is that... Is that good commitment or is that bad commitment? Well, I think 
the adrenaline can make you do crazy things yeah. in those situations. So she might not be in in that moment. She might not be in much pain because mm-hmm. the body does weird things when things yeah. like that happen. You hear people running on like a broken leg and stuff. So yeah, maybe she wasn't in pain during the moment and she just wanted to finish. And that's. I, I guess mean, it was pretty close to the end. It must have happened. I would hope yeah. she didn't crawl for like a mile or something, because no. that would be madness. I mean, I've fallen over on a run and got up and carried on running. Oh, good for you. Like, you know, I've grazed my elbow before, falling, tripping off on a curb. I has just, has that had 12 million views on Twitter? It hasn't. You're robbed. But it was outside of BBC World, so it's probably had 12 million views on their yeah. CCTV when they're all having a laugh about it. It's no big deal. Just get up. Get on with it. I just think it's crazy. You know, the the tweet on that said, let's share her story with the world. I'm like, that's not a positive story to share, surely. No, no. But I can imagine um, uh, in terms of like Japanese culture, in terms of, you know, pushing through and and completing no matter what. Um, I can see that's how that might be seen as very positive. (laughs) I have seen before on a Jamaican relay team, the first leg runner out of the blocks really quick, obviously. And as he got around, he kind of started running a bit kind of oddly and then handed the baton over and just hit the deck. It turns out he tore his quad at 50 metres. I've seen that. But, you know, if you're on a Jamaican relay team with Usain Bolt waiting at the end, you bloody well finish. You finish. He tore his quad and ran 50 metres. But you often see that, like at the Olympics or whatever, where people become injured and they just have to finish. Yeah. Like they think, well, I just have to finish now. And even like in in races with um, non-elite runners... Where people have had, they're obviously injured, but they're like, well, I need to finish this. I don't care how much more I get injured. No. Uh, just the idea of tearing a muscle is something I've never done. But actually, a proper tear, when they say they can feel it, and almost sometimes they can hear it tearing. Oh, I can't even imagine it. No, no. Horrific. <laughs> Injuries are bullshit. Amy, breaking news. Oh. Runners World have been in touch, and they're reporting it's going to get cold next week. As low as six or seven degrees. Oh no. Wow. What will we do? Yeah, How can, will we run? <laughs> you can tell the news has been a bit sparse this week. Every year though, it's that time of year when we start getting, what do I do when it gets cold? What yeah. do I wear? <laughs> we haven't had the tabloids yet saying it's going to be cold this winter. Well, they usually I, do. I've seen some, like they started oh, a few months ago saying that it's going to be a four month polar vortex they always say it's going to be a polar yeah. vortex i don't even know what a polar vortex is sounds cool though doesn't it yes yeah polar vortex good like, band like name world yeah like made up of like penguins and polar bears and stuff. <laughs> it's not where i was going but okay fine yeah <laughs> but anyway you know you get this time of year it's always the same thing how to dress for cold weather what to do in cold weather and i suppose if you're living somewhere like canada where it may get like down to minus 30 in some places or colder, you know, really cold. And if it drops really suddenly, then I can imagine why you might need really clear advice on that. But in the UK, most of the time, it's not that bad. It's very temperate. Do you need a listicle saying, wear gloves, wear no. two layers? The only thing I've seen that's really useful is they have this runner's world thing where it's like, it's organised by temperature and it advises you what layers to wear. Yeah. So like at this temperature, t-shirt and shorts, at this temperature, wear an under, you know, like a, um, a thermal, whatever. And it gets, it progressively gets more mm. and more less. So I suppose if you're a new runner, that's very useful. We don't need all these listicles. And the best advice I've ever heard is always dress for 10 degrees hotter than it is outside. Mm-hmm. That's the sort of rule of thumb I go by. That's exactly what I was telling people this morning, actually, mm. on, on, our, on our long run. There were people that were wearing a couple of layers and were baking hot by the end. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's the thing, like, as well, everyone feels, like, different degrees of heat as well. Like, I get really hot when I'm running. Mm-hmm. So I'll go out in t-shirt and shorts and it'll be freezing. But by the time I'm towards the end of the run, I'm, like, hot. And people are like, what are you doing? Stop wearing your shorts. Like, well, and other people you see out are all, like, bundled up in coats and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it depends on the effort as well. So if you're going out for, like, a really easy run, you're going to dress up slightly warmer because you're not going to be making as much effort. Yeah. effort. So we don't, it's really quite simple in terms of, especially in the UK, uh, what to wear I suppose when it might get more complicated if it snows mm. uh, when we had all that snow last year uh, well beginning of this year actually but even then it's like wear trail shoes if it's too slippy don't go out yeah. snow's not going to last that long we live in the UK yeah. <laughs> take a few days off I suppose we shouldn't complain about these kind of articles because it gives us something to shit on in upcoming episodes yeah I suppose when you've been a runner for like a good few years it's just every year just these articles about running in the cold and then in the summer running in the heat <laughs> Yeah, all these thing, bad things that happen now, I just see as positives because it gives us content to talk yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep publishing them, Runner's World, and other magazines and running outlets that are available. <laughs> it's time to talk about our main topic of the week. Now, this week's subject is a good one. And it turns out everyone hates races. You'd think uh, everyone would love races because that's why people get into it. Uh, I went to a thing the other day that said actually 24% of runners start by running a charity race, which mm. I thought was quite interesting. Mm. Um, but everyone hates them. Everyone loves to complain about them. We've had a lot of feedback on Twitter and Facebook. On Twitter, we are Running is BS and search for Running is Bullshit on Facebook. You can comment on our stuff, send us things, tell us what you think is bullshit. Don't send us pictures of your chafing though. Well, so DM them to Stuart. He wants to see them, but I don't want to see that sort of content. Yeah, okay, fine. So, we're going to start from the beginning and we're going to work our way through the whole race situation here. So, the first thing is just even when you're entering and looking at races... Races that start basically after midday and aren't the evening mm. are terrible. Yeah. Races should start the latest 10 o'clock mm-hmm. or then in the evening between 6 and 7 o'clock. That's it. Yeah. There's no other time to have no. a race. I always find it really hard with the evening races, like knowing how to prepare in terms of like what to eat and all that sort of thing. Whereas morning races, I've got my little routine where I get up, have a peanut butter and jam sandwich like two hours before, have a banana like half an hour before if it's a half marathon and then I do the race. Whereas like evening races, you've got several meals that come before mm. that and if you eat too much, you're going to have a bad time and if you don't eat enough, you're going to have a bad time. However, a seven o'clock race is better than a three o'clock race. Oh, yeah. That's madness. Yeah, wasn't the world half when it was in Cardiff? Wasn't that a really weird That was thing? a half past 12, I think. Right. Because it had to be for, well. yeah, for like TV across yeah, the world. Yeah, that's weird though. That was terrible. Do you have breakfast then lunch or do you try and have something like in the middle so you still feel quite light? But I don't know. It's Nobody weird. knew. Nobody no, knew. No one knows. It was a disaster for, for most people. <laughs> I mean, I ran a PB, it was fine. But a half past 12 race was bad. I've done a, a 10k at mm. half past one. And that was half past one in the middle of September as well. So it was baking hot. Uh, I was doing really well until 7k. And then my stomach just went, nope. And yep. I had to slow back right off Mr. PB that day because it was just a stupid time to have a race. Mm. So before we've even got anywhere near that, before we've even entered the race, we don't like races. There's also a problem of when you're looking at a race, people asking the same questions over and over on Facebook happens all the time you know really kind of obvious stuff they could just look at the website and find out for themselves but they don't yeah there was a perfect tweet for this we retweeted last week actually from jess underhill at race pace jess she says dear race directors the first thing i want to see on your website is the date of the race and the start time it shouldn't take me 15 minutes of searching the site to figure this out absolutely i could not be more with her i hate that 
on the homepage, as soon as you get on there, you want to see the time of the race, the date. Boom. What I don't need to see, a countdown to the race. No. Who cares? Three no. days, 14 hours and 52 no. seconds. So what? No. Because I don't I, know what that means. I am looking for that information the morning of the race. So yeah. I know when I need to be there. And so I know that I've got the right day. I don't need to be messing around with other things. Because then where is it? Enter now. Oh, there might be details there. No, it's not there. Race info. Oh, there's car parking, toilets, first aid, goodie bag. Oh, it's not there. On the day, right? It might be that one. Oh, no, that's just about where to go. Wait, where is it? Yeah. And it's always different. Stick it at the top. Right at the top. In the banner. Yes. Time, date. Absolutely. Next part of races. You know, this is the thing that people go on about for big races that I just do not understand. Expos. Yeah. I never go to an expo, usually. I go if I have to. Yeah. Because you've got to go and like, pick up your bib or whatever. Yeah. I've, I've been a few because I've been to a few um, like foreign ones as well. So I've been to one at Lisbon and Dubrovnik. I went to the Berlin one when I was supporting friends there. And people went, oh, I can't wait for the expo. It's going to be really good. They're not. They're shit. Mm. It's full of people. It's so busy. People say, oh, you get loads of freebies. No, you don't. You get a couple of freebies, Mm -hmm. like little tiny things that don't matter. And it's just, if you don't want to buy anything, there's just no point to them at all. No. I volunteered when it was the um, World Half Marathon in Cardiff. I volunteered to be like at the expo um, doing all the goodie bags and stuff. Yeah. That was when Mo Farrow was there that day. Yeah. And I managed to, um, like, I was volunteering, but um, so it wasn't like I was sneaking away. But I said, oh, I want to go see Mo, Mo Farrow mm-hmm. speak. So because I was like part of the staff almost, I got round to like the behind the stage bit mm. and I was like right at the front. I was like, oh, this is great. When Mo Farah finished, I was like at the corner of the stage and Mo Farah finished and suddenly everyone, the audience surged. And suddenly I found myself linking arms with the security <laughs> and they're going, hold the line, hold the line. Wow. And I was stood there and these people were surging towards Mo Farah. And bless, Mo Farah was, was fab. He was like trying to sign stuff and he was trying to yeah. talk to people. And like his bodyguards were ushering him away. But I'm like linking arms with all these like burly security people. <laughs> Stopping this Because you're perfect for security, aren't you? I, I don't know how I found you're, myself. You're built for it perfectly. I don't know how I found myself in that situation. And I was like, I should have left him slightly earlier. I was leaving it to the last minute. I should have like got out there before he finished. And then afterwards, this guy shook my hand and went, well done. <laughs> so it was all worth it in the end. It was, it was bizarre, though. It was absolutely surreal. We were all linked. I, I, I think I got a feeling of what it might be like to be like on the front of a riot or yeah. something. You know, my life flashed before my eyes. People, people looked wild. They were, they were intense. It was madness. But yeah, that was the moment I uh, protected Mo Farah. Amazing! Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's my race expo story. Yeah. I, okay, I, you've just reminded that the speak the speakers at uh, expos can be okay. Yeah, I'll give I'll it. give them that. Paula Radcliffe was good at the yeah. um, the Cardiff half one. But just like the stuff that you can buy anywhere else for less. Or when the speakers are selling something. Oh. oh and they try to do a demo and things like that. And it's really awkward because they're getting people out of the audience. And the, the thing that they have, I'm not going to say what it is, but like the thing that they have isn't working properly. And you're just like, ah, yeah. so awkward. But you're there because you're sat and probably waiting for like the next speaker or whatever. Yeah. Um, on a kind of a similar note to that, the whole running village thing. Yeah, races. Yeah. A big races, you get the running village. Um, so you get some coffee carts and like some junk food vans. You know what? Sometimes I see runners like eating a burger for a race and like drinking a coffee. I'm before like, the race. Just before. Oh, nice. Uh, in my head, I'm thinking that's not good. 
I mean, no, that's yeah, right. absolutely. I say nice, but that's awful. No, but if hilarious. You're, if you're doing like an ultra marathon or something, maybe you'd do that sort yeah. of thing. But if you were running like a 10k or a half and you're stuck there like eating a burger and having a cup of coffee 30 minutes before the gun, I'm, I'm thinking yeah. that's not going to end well. Well, it's just like it's a running village, it's a whole running thing, and there's a chip van, there's a curry van, and there's just all these awful foods. Yeah. And it's like. That's not, I don't know, do people go around, you know, sometimes you get these like random craft stalls at them even. And you okay, you get some um, shops and things and some brands selling their stuff. But just before a race, who's looking at those? No, no, I never look at the, the race village stuff. Or afterwards either, because I just want to go to whatever restaurant or pub yeah. I'm going to. I'm not sticking around and having some chips, you know. Yeah, again, because get a thing of chips from there, will cost you six quid. Yeah. Well, I could just go down the road to the cafe or a pub. The only thing I can imagine that would be good if it's like a trail race in the middle of nowhere and there's a chip van at the end. I'm like, yes, mate. Yeah, because you'll pay whatever they're <laughs> Yeah, they're yeah, selling. whatever. But if it's in the middle of like a city... Nah, I'm going yeah. somewhere else. I'm going spoons. They're trying to, they you know, they they try and elevate it and make it a big deal. Trying to make it a day out, and I'm like, yeah. it's not. Bands playing as well in the race oh. village. Oh, I suppose that's for the spectators that are waiting. Yeah. But if you're a spectator, don't wait in the race village. Go and spectate and go yeah. to the pub. Then when you've seen your your person go by, go somewhere else. Yeah. The next one here is a big one. Toilets. Right. Okay. I have a lot to say about this. A lot to say. Firstly, it's the timing. Yeah. you've got to time it like a big half marathon or a marathon or even like a really big 10k you've got to time the toilet situation smaller races you can get away with like doing it you know whenever you want so my usual plan is get there go to the toilet when you get there to mm-hmm. start off with because it's especially if it's in the morning you know go to the toilet when you get there get one in the bag get one in the bag get one done and usually the toilet's quite clean and quite nice then then you need to wait until like try and time it so you go into the toilet like 10 minutes before the gun's going to go off mm. you know that's ideally though but you've got to get so often you've got you've got to get in the queue because the queues are insane at a big race yeah. the queues are insane so you've got to time it and think right i need to get in this queue half an hour before the gun goes off because it's going to take me 20 minutes to get to the toilet so you've got to time it all i did when i did uh leicester half marathon and i actually got my half marathon pb there i'd done my whole trick of you know going to the toilet first getting in the queue again and the gun was just about to go off and there was still a queue of like 10 people in front of me. I thought, oh, I really needed this. It wasn't, I didn't need a shit. I, I wasn't going to shit myself. No. But I, I needed, I needed, I needed a week. <laughs> I mean, if you need a shit before a race in the race, no, the thing is, if you've done it in the run village, you need it then, you've done it all wrong. Yeah. Oh, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. You do yeah. that before you no, leave home. Yeah, yeah. So um, I need a week, once on a shit. <laughs> so I just thought, I need to go. I a whole of Leicester half, like dying for a pierce, but I got a PB. So that's not recommended out. though. It's not recommended. I remember every time I got to like a toilet along the route, I was thinking if there's not a queue, I'll go because yeah. I really need to go. Um, but every time there was a queue, so I just got faster and faster. <laughs> I need to finish. So it is recommended if you want a PV. <laughs> okay. Um, I also on a, on a kind of a similar note of things not to do, I actually pretty much very rarely use toilets before a race. I will have like a drink in the morning. Yeah. Uh, and then you know go to the loo before I leave the house but I actually don't drink that much before a race no. and I end up not using the toilets now I'm not sure if that's a bad thing of being dehydrated or not but um, well, it seems to have worked for me people tend to drink too much for a race because um, often when you see people becoming ill it's because they've drank too much mm. um, and the idea is you're supposed to hydrate 
before in the days before the race not yeah. the morning of uh but i i need to go to the, and sometimes it's just a nervous week yeah <laughs> that's often it and thinking like i should go to the loo so therefore it's like that response so but that, you're living the dream though yeah. not having to go for a week yeah i've race. been pretty lucky with that i do have a nervous wee story right. before my ultra uh i was there i was ready and i went to the loo i thought right, i just need to go and have a wee so i kind of had to go and find the toilets and queued up for ages and it was a really small little toilet and there were like guys queuing in the toilet. There was like one cubicle and one urinal and there was like two guys inside queuing as well. So you had to like stand there like six feet from the guy weeing. <laughs> and I'm like, why don't they just queue outside the door? But anyway, so I did that and I got to the urinal, you know, kind of stood there ready. Nothing happened. No. Well, and because I, those people like stood right No, I just you. didn't need to go. Oh, right. <laughs> and I stood there a good 30 seconds like concentrate, relax, it'll be fine. There's no one watching. Uh, oh shit I don't need to go and I'm like do I pretend I have been or do I just walk away and go oh well never mind but I just I just felt like such a fucking idiot there's like guys in there watching me not wee and I'm just standing there not weeing I'm like well there we go then just wash my hands just had my wee and like that was kind of weird because I just wasted five minutes then of just not weeing well, speaking of looking like a fucking idiot, I did have someone open the door on me once at a race while I was in the in the portally. <laughs> <laughs> this was again at Cardiff Half, and the queues as well. The way it was, there were queues. There was a row of um, portalies, and the queue ran parallel to the portalies. Mm. So you know, um, so I'm in this portaloo, and uh, my friend's in the portaloo next to me, and I clo- I locked it, of course, but it was like a weird. Um, I can't really describe it. It's like a weird, like latch sort of lock. Mm. So somebody had obviously bypassed this massive queue and pulled on the portaloo door. But because of the way the lock was, moving the portaloo door put the lock down, you know? It unlocked the yeah. door. So she just revealed me to this whole <laughs> queue of people. And I went, whoa! And she was like, and she said, oh, I'm so sorry. She shut the door again. I'm like, Jesus. Um, and then my friend was in the, the toilet next to me. She did the exact same thing to my friend. So I just heard my friend go, Ah! <laughs> So, yeah, just uh, revealed me to an entire queue of people. Yeah, I think the story there is if there is a queue of 400 people next to a row of toilets, they're probably occupied. Yeah, bizarre. I don't know whether she was at the front of the queue and then thought, but if you're at the front of the queue, it's one in, one out. You see someone come out, you go into their toilet. You think so, yeah. I don't know. And also, obviously, ladies as well, you've got to get the toilet paper situation down. You've got to take toilet paper with you. Like, not toilet paper, like um, like a thing of tissues. Yeah. Because if you go at the beginning, there might be toilet paper there. But if you go right before the race is about to start, no chance. No. Don't be surprised if there isn't toilet paper there. Because expect there not to be toilet paper. Top tip, take some with you. That's good. Yeah, it's not, never really occurred to me, actually. No, no. I've, have I ever had to have a poo in one of those? I don't think I have. And I've been, I've been very glad about that. No, me neither. And they, they, I don't like them, um, especially if it's warm. I, I don't think you're supposed to. No, no. I, I don't think anyone out there is I should, going, I, should, you know what? <laughs> I think they're all right, actually. I don't I mind. I should elaborate on it. I don't like um, how small they are. And I don't like how they feel unsturdy. So I feel like yeah. something's going to push one over. Yeah. Or something's going to happen to make them all fall over. And then I'll be trapped. And all the shit from the bottom will come out over me. And yeah, so I don't, I don't like the, the smallest of it. So I just want to get in there and get out as quick as possible. I'm no engineer, but I imagine they are made in such a way. If they did tip, they wouldn't spill. But perhaps that's me being optimistic. Yeah, maybe. I would like to think that's the case. I don't want them to tip either, though, because it's like a coffin. It's like a <laughs> shitty coffin. <laughs> so we'll move on from toilets, uh, even though they are possibly the worst thing about the mm. whole pre-race experience. Someone mentioned here, when the local mayor or a local celebrity just wants to say a few words before the race, 
Literally no one cares. And often no one can hear. Like no. if you're at a big race and you can just like hear something in the distance and you're like, oh yeah, great. Let's just get on with it. One of the worst ones I've had is, uh, I won't say the race. Um, there was like a, I don't know, a deputy mayor or someone to do with the council. She had a microphone holding it in her hand, but she was doing that thing where they, she held it about two feet away from her face and pointed it over her shoulder or kind of down at her hip maybe and just kind of went on and on and on. Oh. I guess just delivering like the council line on sports and health and well-being and how important it is. And she's obviously never done sport in her life. And no one cares. No, no one is listening. No. No, just um, sing the national anthem, whatever, get on with it, go. Yeah, it's not, to be fair, not many races you sing the national anthem. I think it's nice for a race. <laughs> Cardiff Half, they do that, it's quite yeah, nice. Yeah, 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 I think if, they, if you want to do it, what I mean is if you want to do anything before a race, sing the national anthem and do yeah. that and then go, you don't need all these speeches. And the best one, and I will say this one because it was a good one, I'm pretty sure it was the Liz Wary 8 in Newport. Um, I think it was the local mayor and he came along and he just said, uh, he said, you know, we're going to hand over now to the mayor of Newport and everyone went, don't care um and he said okay well my wife is a runner and she tells me that no one ever listens to these things so uh three two one perfect yes Yes. (laughs) what a legend perfect that is absolutely it it. (laughs) because nobody cares nobody cares um next up running pens lovely idea in theory but if they work and if people have put themselves in the right ones. That's the main issue. People put people putting themselves in the right ones. And it, like big races, like Cardiff Half or um, the Great North Run or whatever. It's often people's first half marathon. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, big 10k races might be their first 10k. So they don't know how fast they're going to run. And they might think, yeah, one hour 30 for a half marathon seems about right. Yeah. And they're never going to do that, you know. Um because they haven't put the training or whatever, or they're, they're a slower runner and they just don't know what speed they're going mm. to, to do it in. So yeah, that can be the main issue. People putting themselves in pens where they shouldn't really be and causing like a bit of a backlog. Yeah, Cardiff half was chaos for me, getting to the start line to fight through the pens because mm. you have to start at the back and walk alongside narrow paths all the way down when everyone else is. And we had to fight our way through and... As the gun went, we were halfway down the pen behind. We literally managed to get through. We were running down the street um, next to uh, the pen behind us. We just joined in right at the back of the pen as they started moving. So we kind of timed it perfectly, but it was so close. A friend of mine, when he did Berlin Marathon, because he'd never run a marathon before, they didn't let him put an estimated time in and he had to start at the back. And he ran about four hours, just over four hours, I think. But he had to start right at the back with like the seven, eight hour runners. And that kind of seems crazy to me as well. No. Let someone estimate their time. Like if if you've done if you're doing the training, which you should be if you're going to run a race anyway, you know how fast more or less you're probably going to run it. So like when I was training for Cardiff half, my first half marathon, I pretty much thought right, this is going to be like two hours and ten minutes because I'd done ten miles in training. Mm. I knew how fast I'd run that, so I thought a bit more than that. You know, I I, I don't want to start near the front because. I'd get in people's way. I'd be very self-conscious about getting in mm. people's way and getting on people's nerves. So I don't really understand the logic of it. But I think it is just people not knowing what mm. time and just thinking, oh, whatever, I can do this. Yeah, I realise we've just said at the beginning that people shouldn't be allowed to put themselves wherever they want. And then it was said at the end that people should be allowed to put themselves where they want. Oh, well. Within, like, their ability, within reason, <laughs> you know? That people should think these things through. And I suppose, but even worse, though, are the races big races where there's no pens and you'd think that people would know whether they're a fast runner or not like i know i'm not a particularly fast runner i won't start at the back 
but I can sort of predict mm. where in the like the race I'm going to be. And I suppose if you're a newer runner, you might think that you know you might not be um, as savvy about that, but you have a rough idea of how fast you are as a runner. It's the basic principle of don't be a dick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you want to maximise your own chances, but help out everyone else as yeah. well. Yeah, it's like at park run. You wouldn't start at the front if you know you're not going to... Oh, people do. Yeah, they do. <laughs> Just take a look. I'm sure if you look at the park run discussion group, yeah. that's been uh, discussed very recently. If anything, I usually start back a bit further than, you know, if there's no pens, then I probably should. Because it's nice to overtake people as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I do love an ego run. If you ever yeah. get there late or start at the back and yeah. run quite quick, you get to overtake everyone. Yeah. It's brilliant. And that's the thing as well about like big races where it's perhaps someone's first race. People go out way too fast. Yeah. And then you can just overtake Always. them. Like, like by six miles, you're overtaking them. Have you ever started at the front of a pen? No. Because I usually can't be asked to fight my way to the front. I just get in and I'm like, yeah, this is fine. I have a couple of times and it's amazing. I <laughs> oh, because you got the whole road in front of you. I did it at the, the Liverpool uh, Rock and Roll Half. Yeah. Uh, no, the Liverpool Rock and Roll It was the, the 5K the day before. Um, and they did it in pens, but they had like big gaps between each pen going. Mm. And so it was me and a couple other people from the club go. I was winning a race. I mean, I wasn't. There was a thousand people ahead of me, but I was winning that race for yeah. about 200 metres. I was just like, I was running along, you know, fist pumping, waving my arms, going, yeah, the pictures, I'm the best. And if they have any pictures like early on, like the race photographers are early on in the race, yeah. you get some amazing pictures. Yeah. Like, so that, that was obviously then I got overtaken. I got smashed by yeah. all the actual good runners. But. For about 30 seconds, it was brilliant. I can recommend getting to the front of a pen at some point. Maybe one day I'll try that and then just sprint out. So we're getting close to the gun and everything that shit about races, mm. but we're going to tease you and we're going to do it next time. Next time, yes. We'll talk more about the actual race and, and after the race as well. Because a lot of people hate races themselves and the post-race whole situation there. There was a lot of complaints we've had about that, but we're going to mm. split it up. We're going to do it in a couple of episodes yeah. instead. So if you want to um, send us on Facebook or Twitter anything anything about your race experiences, please do. And we will um, include some of those in the next episode. Absolutely. Toilet stories would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. What are your toilet stories from races? Have you ever had some mad woman open your portaloo door and reveal you to about 50 people? Please tell us. Absolutely. Uh, tweet us at runningisbs. Search on Facebook, Running is Bullshit. Or if you want to give a longer story, I still would love one of these. A really nice long rant or story. Runningisball at gmail.com. Be mm. excellent to hear we'll from you. We'll do a dramatic reading of it. Oh, a dramatic reading would be lovely. <laughs> like really Shakespearean. <laughs> yeah, if we get some music behind it, we can record yeah. it properly. That'd be good. I went to the portaloo. <laughs> was that dramatic, was it? It was dramatic. It's just a voice like this. That's my dramatic voice. She's raising her eyebrow when she does this. That's how you know it's dramatic. <laughs> So what's next for you, Amy? What is the bullshit coming up in the next few weeks? Nothing. I'm really boring. Mm, Um, That's bullshit. Yeah, that's it. Uh, Just, this is, I say the same every episode. I'm just sort of trying to increase my mileage again. That's it. Um, So at the moment, so before I was running like 30, 35 miles a week before I had my injury. Um, So now I'm back to 20 miles a week um, being comfortable. So I'm just gradually increasing it till I get to that 30, 35 mile range so no races booked i don't think unless i've booked someone forgotten about it which i often do and then i get an email a week before saying oh yeah it's a week until blah 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 and i'm like oh yeah shit <laughs> have you ever accidentally entered a race twice no i haven't done that I've yet. i've done that i got two race packs turn up on the same day i was like oh yeah i entered it like six months before and then like i'm gonna do this race it sounds great <laughs> oh no i've got two now and it's too late to transfer it because i'm a massive idiot 
Well, I think I might start entering the races for early next year, like the Barry 10K and the Cardiff Bay mm. 10K, because I, f- I feel like they might fill up. Yeah. So I think I'm going to enter those, but I don't think I... Maybe I'll enter another race before the end of the year to do to do at the end of the year. Um, but no, nothing at the moment. What about you? Uh, well, I've got a sports massage in a couple of days. That's going to be right. horrendous. So that's something to look forward to. And because I'm still a bit injured, I'm going to try and run fast next week, obviously, a park run. There's paces. There's yeah. a 21 minute pacer and my PB is 20.47. So under 21 again, that'd be nice. See if I can uh, aggravate a few more injuries. Yeah, if you're injured, just, just go do the whole thing. Just... Break your leg like yeah. that woman and just crawl to the end of park run. Absolutely. And then I've got my 20 miles kind of run walk in a couple of weeks as well along the coast path. I'll be running to Newport. And then also, hopefully, what I'll be doing uh, a couple of days after that is a race called the Blorange. Right. I very much look forward to telling you all about the Blorange. I'm doing it because it's called the Blorange and it's funny. Yeah, that sounds intriguing. Blorange. Blorange. What does Blorange mean? It doesn't mean anything. Oh, right. Okay. But Blorange. So it's not like a place or anything or... No. Right. <laughs> I don't think so. I'm pretty sure it's not. It's very satisfying though. Yeah, but there must be a reason why they've called it the Blorange. I shall endeavour to find out. Right, that's... Look forward to that next time. Thank you very much. So as we said, get in touch. Running is BS on Twitter. Running is bullshit on Facebook. And running is bull at gmail.com. Lots of different social media, all different. And do tell us about your race-related stories so we can have a chat about that next time. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for listening. Uh, This has been Running is Bullshit. See ya! (laughs) 